You're listening to the MPI Paranormal Podcast, where the truth is to be found. A podcast exploring all things paranormal, hauntings, UFOs, crypto, the unknown. Our members believe in the skeptical approach, but with an open mind, just trying to make sense of it all. And I do. I take my personal beliefs into it, but like you said, then I have my skeptical side that right. wants to prove it another way. I don't really have a say on it right now because I don't well, know what the video looks like. Well, I'm looking for the evidence. Right. What's the evidence? A story to me is not really evidence because that's one person's experience. Military Paranormal Investigations is not affiliated to any branch of the military. It's time. It's, time. it's time. Coming to you from North Texas on multiple platforms for maximum reach. Here are your hosts, members of the MPI team. Hello. Welcome to Military Paranormal Investigations Radio. My name is Mike. I'm Jeff. I'm Allison. And I'm Rob. And uh, just letting you know, remember we changed it. It's no longer radio. It's Military Paranormal Investigations Podcast oh. now. Because we're doing right. podcasts. We're not doing radio anymore. We're doing podcasts now. Good deal. Well, we'd like to welcome you to the show. And uh, first, we'd like to say you can also find us at our website at Military Paranormal Investigation. Actually, screw that up too. Military Paranormal. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. yeah. Military Paranormal dot com. When was the last time you've been on the site, Mike? Come on. What's well, in my, it's in my, <laughs> it's on my homepage. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, you can find us on Facebook and we actually have a post out there as well that we went live. We're trying this new thing. Hopefully it goes well. Uh, Twitter. And you can find us on YouTube as well. And don't forget, we also have our email out there at podcast at militaryparanormal.com. We welcome any comments or suggestions. If you think a way you can, we can improve the show or anything that you want to hear. Or if you have a story you want to tell us, make sure you send that information along. We'd love to try to get some other content out there like that. Hey, I want to real quick uh, stress that we are not affiliated with any branch of the military. Correct. We're all, uh, well, most of us are retirees now and everything. And then we have friends and family that uh, come on the show with us and right. do things with us as well. I do want to stress that uh, even though we're not affiliated with the anything military, uh, we do have people loved ones that are in the military. And we want to thank all the military members that are out there serving right now. Right. Uh, I know my nephew, he's TDY or overseas right now. And I know your son, yep, he just left. Yeah. So want to thank them for their service as well. All right. So uh, what is our show going to be about today? Well, I was thinking, you know, the past couple of months, there's been a lot of talk uh, and uh, especially with the Facebook post of how they were going to raid area 51. Right. And I just started doing a lot of more research on that and was like, okay, well, there's a lot of, uh, I don't want to say false uh, thinking of Area 51, but there actually is a lot of false thinking. A lot of people are thinking that uh, we have certain things going on there, secret base. And yes, it is a secret base out there. But uh, actually, and what I've been reading is it was never really classified. It was just exactly not talked about exactly it wasn't talked about we didn't talk about it or acknowledge it the air force didn't acknowledge it until 2013 i believe is when we finally acknowledged it. and that was only because of the privacy act yep and that was the first official document that came out that actually referenced area 51 
Right. So I, I figured instead of doing all the conspiracy theories, but we're going to do that as well. I figured we do like a history of Area 51 and some of the secrecy that's going on with Area 51. And then the big stuff, all the conspiracies and all the stories of Area 51 and why people actually wanted to raid Area 51. Okay. All right. Let's get started then. All right. So uh, the history from everything I was reading. Okay. Um, pretty much area 51 was not so much a base. It was where they found a lot of minerals and everything. Um, it's actually called the groom district and uh, groom mountain range is where it's actually at. And from 1864 to 1941, that's all it was, was mining minerals and everything. There, there was nothing out there and it didn't, um, it was named after a guy, a guy named Bob Groom, who discovered all the minerals in the mountain range out there. And he was the one that was uh, doing all the mining, mostly for lead, silver, uh, gold. And it wasn't until 1872, I believe, is when the patent was filed for Groom Mine. And Groom Mine isn't really, it's not in the same mountain range that Area 51 is. It's the mountain range that's right on across the, the lake bed the old lake bed and stuff. And um, they were, they were doing the mining and everything. And then this other family came in, I believe they were the, the Sheehan family. Sheehan. Yeah. In uh, 1978 and they've had it. 1870, 1878. Thank you. Yeah. And they had it all throughout generations. I mean, they, they still had it up until the 1950s and everything uh, until the air force took it over. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you can see everything just by visiting. Um, I, I don't like using Wikipedia or anything, but you can find all these different things. I mean, 1941, uh, the Groom Mine was visited by a bunch of individuals who stayed at the mine with the Sheehan family while they were surveying the area for a gunnery and bombing range. So who do you think those people might have been? Army Air Corps. Exactly. What was going on around that time? World War II. Yep. The Allison's chiming in now. <laughs> she, she's got this. Yeah, it was uh, during World War II, and that's when they started doing the survey for it. And because they weren't on the range where Area 51 is, they were on the range where Groom Mine was, and they had the best advantage. So they can see everything out there. So not only did they have that, uh, between 1941 and 1952, the Army Air Corps, that's when they built a airstrip on Groom Lake. And uh, they started using it for the Las Vegas bombing and range. And then around 1945 is when the area was abandoned. You know why, Allison? I don't know that one. Nope. World War II was over. Oh. <laughs> so that he didn't need it no more. Um, so it went back to just being abandoned. And um, it wasn't until 1947 that the Nellis and Indian Springs uh, Air Force uh, Gunnery and Bomber Range started doing it again. And that's uh, today is, I believe it's Creech Air Force Base is where it's at now. And then in 1951, they began to uh, do nuclear tests out there at the Nevada test site um, by the uh, Energy Commission out there. And it wasn't until 1952 that most of the Sheehan family that has now done it has evacuated from the mine and moved to Las Vegas because of it being bombarded by the nuclear stuff. They started getting sick and they started going to Las Vegas and not so much staying at the mine. The mine was still active. The mine was one of the most active mines out there uh, pulling out mostly silver. 
Um, but, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you read on this, but I don't think they really had a choice as far as leaving the land. I believe it was pretty much. No, no, they, it was, it was all theirs. They did not get forced off that land until the, Oh, um, I want to say 1968 is when they actually got forced off of it. I knew, um, I knew there, I had watched something one time that was talking about, they were offered money, but it was yes. like a measly amount compared right. to what they thought. Exactly. They yeah. Um, so it was just, it, it's basically that one. Um, they've just been doing a lot of mining up until the 1950s. And that's when the CIA got together with the air force and, um, Lockheed Martin. And, uh, at the time after world war two, the Russians started building the wall, the iron curtain and everything. And the CIA and uh, the president and everything, president Truman wanted to develop a new way on how to spy over there. So they came up with a, um, a secret project, and I, I'm sure Jeff knows more about this one than I do because he told me about a little story about him being stationed over in Korea and stuff and seeing the... Well, it, it wasn't Korea. It was Okinawa, Japan. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. And, uh, yeah, over in Okinawa, Japan, they had uh, SR-71 mm -hmm. aircraft that uh, flew missions out of there. Right. And so, do you know how the SR-71 was created? Or how it came about. No, I don't. Mike? Skunk Works. What? The skunk Works. Skunk Works, yeah. See, you know more than they're thinking of. Come on. Yeah, the Skunk Works from um, Lockheed. And basically what was going on is after the World War II, we were sending in a lot of low-flying aircraft, and they were getting shot at. So we wanted to have a way that we could go higher up and uh, see behind the Iron Curtain because we were afraid of another Pearl Harbor. So in 1954, uh, President Eisenhower approved the CIA, Air Force, and Lockheed to find a, re a remote site for testing. They looked at California or Nevada, and out in California, it was around Edwards Air Force Base. But because it was so close to the ocean, they wanted something more inland. So they flew out to the uh, Nevada site, and they knew they were doing a lot of nuclear testing out there. So they were flying high above and they just happened to see an airstrip on this lake bed like what the heck so that's when they went down there they landed there thinking that it was a nice level area but the pilot he said he almost lost it on landing so they finally landed out there and they found out that the salt flat was an old airstrip that was added to the atomic energy commission test site and it was designated as area 51 on groom lake and then it, Area 51 did not become operational until July of 1968. No, excuse me, 1955 is when it actually became uh, operational. And I know you talk about it in a minute, but it, I think it's important to say that, that that original program was called Project o Aquatone, which was what was developed right. Area 51. So, And then on that note, so you're telling me that July 1955, mm -hmm. so Area 51 wasn't a thing when the Aliens crashed at Roswell. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. So that's one of the misconceptions. Yeah, I think, exactly one of the misconceptions, and that's something that we're going to talk about later on in the show and everything. But yeah, because when was the Roswell crash? 1947. Oh, 1947, exactly, and it didn't become operational until 1955. 
So, I mean, you know, one thing, you yeah. know. So, yeah. Um, but when they did, they were using it for testing secret aircraft. That's that's all Area 51 was being utilized for. And it was ran by the CIA, the Atomic Energy Commission, and Lockheed up until 1968. And that's when the Air Force took over, was in 1968. But it was unofficially called the Paradise Ranch, or just the ranch for short. Um, the guy that actually created, or one of the designers, was the one that named it uh, the Paradise Ranch. Because who would want to come out to Nevada in the middle of nowhere? just to build some type of new aircraft and stuff. So they just called it Paradise Ranch or the Watertown Strip. I know Watertown was what, if I'm not mistaken, that's what the actual, what Nevada had it listed as, as a zip code, as its own incorporation and everything. That was the official name that was later released by the Air Force in some documents and things. That's what the actual official name was supposed to be. Right. Well, you know, that uh, I was doing some research on that and, and basically, it was rumored to have been inspired by the name of the CIA director, uh, Alan Dulles. His birthplace was Watertown. Watertown, USA. USA yeah. Oh, let's see, I didn't, I didn't have that one. The other, the other uh, names has been Dreamland. Just trying to entice people yeah, to come and, in. Because how do you tell people that you're going to go? Hey, you're going to come work for us, but we can't tell you what you're going to work on. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? You have to give them that paradise ranch or dreamland. Or- exactly. Something that brings it out there. And I think today uh, they mostly call it the Hami airport. That's what it's known now. And then um, back then there really was no security out there at all. It was just in the middle of nowhere in where they did nuclear bombings and stuff, testing out there. So who, who- well, and it was a different time back then. People took, you know, to me back then you didn't need as much because people said, Oh, that's the government. They're protecting us. They're, they're doing that. Which now to me, the mentality of a large portion of what's out there now is it has to be in everybody's business. They think that the government shouldn't have that little bit of secrecy and that sort of thing. So I don't think you needed it as much back then. No, because they didn't have the circuit, the security beefed up until like the 1970s we, and 1980s. Yeah. We were in the cold war and, mm-hmm. and, uh, it wasn't until 1984 is when the Air Force seized all the land, including where the Sheehan family had their mine up there and everything. And that's when they were officially kicked out because they wouldn't take that money because their mine was making money. And then Air Force said, nope, sorry. And I, I did know that, um, and we can put it in the show notes at the end, but I, I sent you guys a video. Mm-hmm. It was an official government re- video released by the CIA that was to the families of the workers out there. But they said that, you know, they didn't want them to go to Las Vegas and talk about, you know, what they were doing out there. So, but one of the things that they would do is they could go mine mm-hmm. in their free time. They could go out to these mines and, and mine around really? their free time. It's pretty neat. So. Hmm. Didn't realize any of that. Now back to the security and everything. Like I said, the Air Force seized it around 1984 and there was only one way to get there after that because it was called um, by aircraft. And the aircraft name was called uh, Juliet. And basically they had the windows all darkened out and everything. So they couldn't see exactly where they were going. But they took off, I believe, from Creech Air Force Base or that area. Um, what was that called? B. One where Robert Lazar worked at. Oh, S4. No, 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 no. The, the company in Vegas. Oh, crap. Um, 
well, I can't even remember that name, but there was supposed to be an airport there as well. And they would, they would go to that company and then they would fly in as well. I know so now they take off from Las from, Vegas. Yeah. From McCarran. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And, um, then in 1989, that's when Robert Lazar talked about working at S4, S4. Yeah. and stuff. And everything, uh, I don't know how, went to Area 51. But he was telling them that it was, well, he, he went into Area 51 and then they took a bus from Area 51 around the mountain basin to a part that where yep. he said the, the doors opened up. and Yeah. And he said, I think it's, southwest like 15 miles yeah 15 miles right south of area 51 and then that's just basically going around the the backside of it is where the mountain range was and then it wasn't like i said until 2003 when the air force acknowledges the existence officially of area 51 and that's only because of the classified that the cia somebody did a foyer request and they had a letter that was released it was a um i want to say it was a college professor in uh new mexico that sent it in there and then they had to say, yeah, it was development of the U2 and the A12, which is what we'll be talking about next with the secrecy and everything. Cause we already had the history. And like I said, the history is, it was just a lake bed. That's basically it. There was, and it wasn't even a base until 1955. So. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, what the research I was doing, you talked about S4 S4 was actually on what was called Papoose Lake. Mm -hmm. Exactly. On the backside of yeah. the, that's what it was. Papoose mountain range yeah. is where Groom Lake sits in between right. that lake and Groom Lake. Right. And that, okay. Back to the secrecy then. The base, as you said, was located uh, 120 miles Northwest of Las Vegas. Right. And the base itself was just that little area around Groom Lake, but the entire area 51 is over 38,000 acres. Wow. Is and, that just the grid of area 51 or is that all of the, yeah, that's the land perimeter. Okay. So, so that's not counting all of like S4 and area 50 and area, you know mm -mm. What I mean? that's just area 50, just area 51. Exactly. And the borders aren't even fenced. There, there's no borders at all. Oh yeah. You, you, cause you can drive up there now and that's when the people in the, in the SUVs come out and mm -hmm. get you. Yeah. Yeah, it's only marked with uh, orange poles, motion sensors, and they do have cameras that can see every angle of that perimeter. It, it's unreal how many cameras are actually oh, out yeah. there. I'd, well, and that, that's what all the stories talk about. You know, they'll drive and it'll you'll pass the sign, and then the next thing you know, if you are if you sit at the sign too long, then the SUVs will pull up on top of the hill and start watching you. They don't they don't ever get out. But then once you cross that line, they're on. But do they allow you to fly drones or anything no, out in that area? No, there are no drones at all out there. Okay. At all. Um, a lot of people thought they can climb up the mountain range and then get a drone out there and yeah. stuff. But no, there's, and even with drone technology today, they're all done by GPS. I see. And if you try and fly a drone into an area that has like a GPS fence, yeah. it stops right there. Okay. It, it can't go. So around that area has a big GPS, no zone, uh, no drone zone yeah i noticed in there, uh, when i was doing the research there was a lot of signs they have posted you know mm -hmm. for no trespassing and that kind of stuff right and i know on that uh papoose mountain range and everything there is watchtowers along there to help look out it's like a control tower up yeah. there as well yeah and like you were talking about they had the white trucks for private security or mm -hmm. the, there's 
they also have ATVs out there as well. I've seen some videos of four wheelers in the in the side by side. Right. And then for getting an entry, um, the actual base itself, the it's just a chain link fence around the base. Do they have gates or anything to get in? Two gates. They have a the main gate, which leads. Um, I can't remember what road it comes from. And then there's a back gate, which goes to what they call mailbox road. So whenever you see all those videos and they say turn at the mailbox and everything, and then there's this long dirt road that goes down, that's actually leading to the back gate. I see. I, and I think they still they actually do like if they're going to do construction or something, they can still bring in. They don't fly like that kind of stuff in. They'll actually truck that in to the base. Yeah. Um, if I remember that correctly. Yeah. So they have the private security guarding the perimeter that's not fenced. And then U.S. Uh, Air Force security forces are the ones that are actually guarding the base itself. And I, I didn't think that was a thing until I met a former chief uh, security forces that told me a little bit about what they did there. And I was like, oh, get out of here, man. You're joking. He's like, no, you want to see the band? Want to see the, man the pamphlet? And I was like, you don't have a pamphlet. Yeah, there's a pamphlet out there telling you exactly it's an AFI telling you exactly how to guard Area 51. Huh. I was like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, hey, you said AFI. What's that for some of our listeners? Oh, I'm sorry. Not... Yeah. AFI stands for Air Force uh, Instruction. It's like the laws that the Air Force has to live by and follow and everything. And okay. The uh, Air Force okay. manuals. Yeah. Well. Okay. Didn't think I knew that. Huh? No, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I got to teach that. Uh, yeah, um, so the two gates and everything, and then they're all brought in by the uh, the Juliet call sign. Uh, it's either 737 or 727 is the only way to really get in. And then the airspace above it is the no-fly zone. No one can go around that way, around there. Even um, commercial pilots and military and pilots, military flights, yeah, yeah. They, they, they have to go around it. If they want to try and buzz it and everything, they'll get in trouble. They get the LORs and letters of reprimand and stuff like that. Um, and that's known as R4808 North. And you got to have permission for the control tower to come anywhere near it. Everything. And we got the uses and purposes. Um, well, basically, it was where they developed all of our spy. Exactly. Right? That's exactly like what U Area 51 was. Yeah, the U2 spy plane, the, the Dragon Lady. Mm -hmm. That was the first one. And uh, yeah, that was that's what I think that's where we were talking about earlier. That's where Project Aquatone came in. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of stuff there that's been developed there, like the cameras that were used um, to. Those cameras are over two hundred and fifty million dollars putting in one U two. And, and at the time, I there was a stat, and I wish I, I had left my notes, but there was a stat that talked about how many square acres they could capture. With that camera, it was it was uh, it was amazing when you when you look at 1960s technology. Well, exactly, the 1960s technology. Even well, that one wasn't even 1960s. That was 1950 is when we were testing this and starting building this and everything. And that the designer Clarence Kelly Johnson, that man was a genius and everything. The the plane was like one to one and a half thrust ratio. Exactly. I mean, back then the highest that our planes could fly, the highest was 28 to 30,000. That was the highest planes could fly. 
And then if you happen to be around this area, and back then it wasn't restricted airspace. So we got this long cylinder with these long wings. And it's flying another 40,000 feet exactly above you. Above you when you're flying, and you're like, what the heck is that up there? Okay. Then so that's I'm, where a lot of people think that a lot of the, all those sightings came from. Exactly. The, the long cigar shape yeah. up there. Come on. Yeah. That thing flies. Capable of flying 73,000 feet. It, it's a, I'm going to sidetrack you just a second. Go for it. I got to ride in the U2 chase car one time, which was really Could cool. I, I did um, too. For people that don't know, when the plane comes down, the pilot's kind of sitting on top and then he can't see the, the, the runway when he's coming down. So they actually have what I rode in was a Camaro. Mm -hmm. It was a Chevy Camaro. And so that the, the driver of that car will get down at the end of the runway. And as the plane's coming in, he will take off and you're doing like a hundred mile an hour down or more behind this guy. And you're that guy's actually saying, all right, you're 10 feet, eight feet, seven feet. And then, all right, touchdown. And then when the plane lands, it'll, it lands down. It's got little wings, little rollers, little wheels in the ring tips. Logo sticks. And then when it gets down to the end, it, when it takes off, those fall off. Yes, and then exactly. he's got little gliders. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when it gets to the end, the plane just kind of lays over on its, on its wingtip and kind of comes to a stop there at the end. Well, sometimes it lays on the wingtip. Sometimes it doesn't, but, um, what you were talking about that chase car is actually another U2 pilot and everything. And the way it's designed is what they call a bicycle landing gear. You got the two one in front. So that's not your typical three triangle, how they normally land. So they actually have to land it like a bicycle. And because it's so long and slender that they basically have to come down. Like you were saying, seven feet, 10 feet, because if it slams down at seven feet, they're probably going to break something. So what they have to do is come down to where they're like three feet off the ground. And then they have to stall the aircraft. So they got to pull the nose up to try and stall it to come down on that back wheel first. And then the other one. And then they have to try and like do everything that you can to Should keep be it to where the, this. <laughs> exactly to where you can. You can see all these on YouTube and everything to where you can see this balancing and everything. And it's not your typical um, flight controls either those flight controls and they're all manual there's no hydraulics yeah. all to save weight all to save weight there is no hydraulics in there so you got your hands feet elbows everything going trying to get this thing level just to land and then when it comes to a stop and trust me you can see a bunch of videos out there where they didn't come to a nice stop it'll slide like you said on the back which is where it gets the name dragon lady because it's dragging the ground and everything and that's when the crew chiefs come over there and they have to raise it up and put the pogo sticks on it and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool bird. And then so back to it, that's where, uh, that's also, um, where the spacesuit was developed because again, at the time, our, our, uh, flight suits were only able to go up to 28, 35,000 exactly. feet. Yeah. So they had to develop something to go to the low pressures up there. And that's where the, the, the development of the spacesuit came about. Mm -hmm. Even when it's up there flying and everything, the thing's only flying like, Six to twelve miles per hour, or knots, with well, five to ten knots, six to twelve miles per hour is when it's, it's flying, which is why they can get the cameras in such clear pictures and everything, because they're flying so low and they're so high, seventy thousand feet. Come on, you it's can low. you can see the curvature of the Earth just by that. You mean height. it's not flat? No, no. So, like you said, the Project Quant uh, Aquatone is where it came about and stuff. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, as we were doing this research, it really, I found it interesting. You think about these, 
these flights took place in the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. So how far before that were they actually developing all of this technology? I, and that's always been one of my one of my comments when you talk about how it was developed and put into flight. Then what what and you think about now? What do we what do we have now? Exactly. I mean, holy cow. Well, I mean, I mean, look about it. Our, our first flight, manned flight, took place in 1903. Right. Mm -hmm. We're only like a little over 100 years, and look at the advancements we've made in 100 years. It's crazy. Could could our advancements be because we're getting information from... Well, you're getting into conspiracy theories now. Okay, well, <laughs> that's something we'll go into, but that's something yeah. that's always made me wonder, are we getting no, yeah. technology from other areas, other beings? Yeah. Never know. Never know. Like I said, U2 was the beginning. That was, that was the first one. Yeah. But after the U2 was shot down and everything, they're like, okay, it's not pervious. Trivia, to, who was that? Huh? Trivia, who was that? Francis Gary Powers. Oh, there you go. That's a good trivia question. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't have got it. I just know that he got shot down and everything. And so prisoner of war for like like a year. Yeah. Or six months or something like that. Yeah. yeah it was just so now that we got or now there's the capability to shoot down a U2 and everything. We need something that goes faster than that 6 to 12 miles per hour. And that's where the A12 ox car comes into play. And that thing was um, super fast. I mean, that thing, cruising speed, just cruising speed, 2.5 Mach. That's cruising. When it's taking off and everything, it has to slow down. Well, when it takes off, okay, well... I'm talking about the SR-71 now. Not yeah. The well, aren't they weren't they essentially the same thing? They 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 were, but they weren't. Um, they the A-12 had a different type of engine and stuff, but the same body style was the same. The uh, SR-71 was a lot longer than the A-12. Well, on the first sorry, didn't mean no, to cut no, you no, off. Go. The uh, first flight of the A-12 actually took place April 25th of 1962. You're just full of knowledge, aren't you, Jeff? <laughs> well that was my birthday april 25th so. oh okay that that's why you know then yeah you were born way before 62 weren't you it, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the uh like i said the a12 it, it was just there for speed they wanted a way that could outrun any type of missile that could be shot at them and so they had the a12 out there but the a12 was a single seater and stuff and so when they were trying to run all the camera work with the piloting, they found out they really couldn't do that yeah. as well because by the time your mind thought it, it was too late. You were already gone. Yeah. So they had to come up with a two-seater, which is where the SR-71 comes into play. So you have the person that operates all the avionics and everything in the back while the person up front is doing all the flying. Yeah. So that's where the SR-71 came in, the Blackbird. And um, that one's just built strictly for speed. I mean, it, it does 3.5 plus. Well, the expansion from the heat that's generated in uh -huh. flight, it actually leaks fuel while sitting on the ground. It leaks yeah. everything. It leaks yeah. everything. Go ahead, Jeff. You know about this one. Oh, well, no. No, I was just going to say, yeah, hydraulic fluid fuel, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It uh, very interesting plane. One of the things, uh, and you can and you can Google this, but one of the things that I was told when I worked over in Okinawa, Japan, they said that the 
the cameras that they had on on the SR-71, if they were flying at 80,000 feet, they could tell you, see a dime on the ground, and they could tell you on whether it was on heads or tails. That's how good those cameras were. Hey, I'd heard that they could read a credit card number or something Yeah, from like 80,000 feet. And they were flying so fast, they said that if they made a turn, that they could cover three states in that turn. That's how fast they were flying. Well, it only takes less than 90 minutes to go from California to New York. Yeah. It's so, but it was just so costly of an airplane to. Well, uh, well, yeah, because when it's sitting on the ground, everything is leaking out of it. Right. And when it takes off, literally, when it takes off, there's an air refueler having to fill it up. Yeah. Because of all the leaks. It has to go so fast in order for the body frame to heat up and swell to close all those seals. So the U-2 and the SR-71 really was our first mm. uh, kind of like camouflage-type airplane, I guess, if you would think about it. You think now of the F-22 and the F-35. We had the F-117, the B-2. Those all have that material on them that aren't supposed to be recognized on, on right. radar. Mm -hmm. All right, because basically it absorbs the radar instead of bouncing it right. back right. and everything. And also the design of the aircraft. There was no jagged edges. Right. So it was all rounded right. and everything to where it would just kind of like glide off yeah. and everything. And that's where the, the new aircraft uh, that they were testing as the SR-71 Blackbird was the uh, TAC Blue and the HAV Blue. Now, those were more towards um, learning camouflage and trying to test the the capability of the radar tracking it. Right. And one that I found interesting, and I, I like this one, was the Bird of Prey. And that was completely off of Star Trek. If you guys have ever watched Star Trek, the Bird of Prey with the Klingons and mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. And how it had that active camouflage. Yeah. We were testing that. Oh, wow. Don't ask me how, but we were testing that. And that's why they called it the Bird of Prey because of the active camouflage. It's, it was just really weird and everything. And then they had the um, the other aircraft that we were testing out there were other nations' aircrafts that they say we had, we didn't have. Wasn't there a movie about that where the guy defected and brought the MiG? Uh, I, I thought that was based off of... Well, I know they had the Clean Eastwood movie one, the Firefox. Oh, yeah, not that one. But yeah, there was there was actually, I believe, a story where uh, uh, Mig was brought, flew in to and the United States. Yeah, we had worked with him about defecting, right? And that's we right. Supposedly studied it. Yeah. yeah, because that's what they they it's called have donut, and it's basically where we stole or acquired or defected um, two Mig aircraft, the uh, Mig twenty one, the Mig twenty three, where. And that probably goes along with your movie that you were talking about. I, I can't remember the name of it. And then we have all the rumored projects out there that Area 51, the TR-30A Black Manta, which is once again, the active camouflage. And that's like a, this is where they started testing drones. And now like the new ones that we have out there, the actual ones, the uh, MX-9 or the RQ-4 or something like that. Um, and then you have the Aurora, which is always the big one. I think that everybody, Probably would come to mind before the other one. Yeah. Supposed to do like stupid mock numbers like Mach 7, Mach 8 or something. Right. To where basically is just going so fast that everything is heating up and stuff. And then you have the Black Star and then the Brilliant Buzzard with the Mothership, which is 
kind of like where they're talking about the UFOs now and and stuff and then and then all the modern aircraft that we know for a fact that was tested out there like the F117 uh Nighthawk the F22 Raptor yeah CV22 Osprey and now the new one that we have the F35 Lightning 2 it's it's a uh, kind of like what Jeff was saying earlier about what year these things were being made in and you think about the the 117 mm-hmm. that plane was developed released produced and now is out of service mm-hmm. correct so if we had a top secret fighter aircraft stealth fighter aircraft that's now gone away of course we have the 22 and the 35 and all but what what did we replace that with i mean really realistically and, and again that's my conspiratorial mind but which leads into our I mean, next we know segment. that there's a 22 or a 35 but what did we really replace that with? Right, and and the civilian world really doesn't know exactly what the F-22 and the F-35, some of the capabilities that it can do. Um, I know that, like, one of the things that I always found, everybody's seen the movie Top Gun. Yeah. And and again, I may be way off on this. I just read about this. But so, you know, when he goes into the flat spin and then he can't Mm -hmm. can't eject because, you know, there's no nothing to push the aircraft out of the way. So anyway, the F-22 and the F-35 are supposed to, if they sense that the pilot is unconscious, they will put the plane, the plane itself will put itself into a nosedive until it regains forward momentum of the aircraft. Mm-hmm. And then it will pull out, go to a safe cruising altitude and wait for the pilot to regain consciousness. I had read that. I thought it was in like air force times or something. I don't know if it's in air force times. <laughs> I, I teach those airframes and I, I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> i'm pretty sure i read that it was when the 22 came out that it was, there, there are certain things i can't talk about that the f-22 and f-35 can do it, yeah yeah but it, they're amazing yes I they mean, are they really the, are the, the aircraft alone are amazing i remember when um when the f-35 program was first starting and i got to go down to the uh, eglin with um where they built the schoolhouse and everything and the stuff that i saw in that schoolhouse is like man they, I know that when they were developing it, one of the requirements of the Air Force from the purchasing standpoint of it was is it had to go to mocks, mock something without going into afterburner. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be, and that's to, to save fuel so, right. they could, so they could go further. Anyway, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. what, But all that was developed in secrecy. At Area 51. Area yeah, because that's all it really was, was it's a testing base. Mm-hmm. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. All right. Well, we've been at this a little while. What do you say we take a break here real quick? All right. I'm, I'm good with taking a break. All right. Uh, I guess we'll uh, go ahead and um, take a little break, probably eat some pizza, get some stuff like that. And uh, we'll, just a couple we'll see you in just a few minutes. Yeah. All right.
Silence won't find it on Fox News. No, they won't. CNN doesn't hear it. <laughs> of course not. Neither will MSNBC. I don't think so. Maybe they're afraid. Maybe they should be. Maybe they can't handle it. Media. Who needs them? Are you ready to have a good time? Let's get the podcast started. Turn on excitement. And welcome back to Military Paranormal Investigations Podcast. Once again, my name is Rob. I'm Jeff. I'm Mike. And I'm Allison. If you're just now joining us, we've been talking about Area 51. The, the last half hour has been about the history of Area 51 and uh, kind of what some of the projects were developed there. A little more of the truth versus the uh, what you think you know from the Roswell conspiracies. Speaking of conspiracy, that's what we're going to get into now. The different conspiracies hey, that have gone look at on. That segue. I know. Look at it go. I'm, and this this part of the show really should be yours, Mike. It it really should be yours. Uh huh. What are you trying to say, Rob? Well, I'm nothing. Just that you do a lot of conspiracy talking, and yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. I mean, everybody knows. Um, everybody knows about. Roswell, and we kind of talked about that in the last hour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody associates when they think of Area 51, oh, that's where we took the alien, the Roswell mm-hmm. aircraft, and all. But actually, as we discussed, the Bay- Area 51 improper wasn't there until 1955. But when you look at the the reports of Roswell and those sorts of things, um, they say that it was actually taken the right path, which would be more believable to me. Um, Before right path. I heard it was actually taken to Texas. Where would that be? Carswell. Where? Carswell. Mm-hmm. Fort Worth. Yep. Yep. Because that's where they first called. Yes. That's who that's who responded to Roswell uh-huh. uh, Roswell Army Airfield. Uh-huh. Out there. Um so yeah, I, I mean when we talk about Area fifty one, my personal belief is that maybe maybe Area fifty one proper, where we developed the U two and those sorts of things, that that's not where. You don't think that's where aliens and, and well, was the Roswell crash aliens? Well, there's an interesting conspiracy that I just heard the other day. Me too. And uh, Annie Jacobson, the author. Ah, the same one. Okay, yeah. I'll let you go then. So she talks about, she, she just wrote a, a very good book. I've only read parts of it. I'll, I'll full disclosure there. But at the very end of the book, she she was as she was writing this book, she was contacted by a bunch of other Roswell when she mm-hmm. was doing the research on for the book, she was contacted by some area 51 employees and they um, said, Hey, you need to go talk to this guy. So she got, and I, and I should know this. I should have got this out. She talks about, and she's not going to disclose the source, but that source has actually been disclosed now. And I don't know the name of that person right now, but supposedly he worked there. He was a high ranking official that was supposedly well-trusted that basically talks about how Roswell was. So, you know, we had all of, uh, we had, all this stuff going on after World War II. Right. And you remember World of the Worlds. Uh-huh. Or so else. You'd look at mass chaos that yep. that created. So there's a theory that this guy's theory, or this guy's statements to her was that he, they, Russia. Mm-hmm. Stalin. Genetically Stalin. Genetically modified children. 
to look like aliens, which wouldn't mm -hmm. be beyond Stalin, because if you remember, Stalin is the one that was doing all the mut mutilations. You're, you're doing, he was doing all these animal experiments where yep. he was trying to combine. That's real stuff. He was trying to put breed humans and apes. He was trying mm -hmm. to do all. I mean, when you think about doom and the the creatures, yeah. that's that's what Stalin was really doing. Um, so, but the theory is is that he built this aircraft. This and that's nothing necessarily extravagant, but he built this thing, crashed it over Roswell so that it would come down, crash little green men are attacking and it would put the U S into a panic so that he could see what capabilities mm -hmm. we would respond with. But what happened was, is the U S government, when it first came out, you remember it came out, Oh, we've got a spalian, an alien, spalian, alien spacecraft. <laughs> and Oh, they're going to take it to right Pat. They're going to do all this stuff with it. But then all of a sudden, Oh, no, it was a weather balloon. Right. So the theory is, is once the U S figured that out, and in that he um, that they changed their story as now as a countermeasure to his spying techniques. And but it got, she got a lot of flag because they're like, hey, you wrote this really quality book. And then, you know, what's the name of the book? Um, hang on. I have it right. I have it right uh, here. So. Is that the only theory with the 1947 Roswell? that it's just strictly aliens or it was a weather balloon or let me come back to that. So area 51 an uncensored history of America's top and top secret programs. I think it's what okay. Um, but a good read. Yes. Yeah. It's a good read and everything. It's just like you said, she was getting a lot of flack for that. And that's just one theory and stuff. And that, she goes, the first part of the book talks about everything we just discussed in really, in really detail. I mean, that's where a lot of the, when you, or doing research on this, you'd always come across things that reference. Like when you go talk about Wikipedia, it would mm -hmm. reference her book because she did a lot of really phenomenal research on it. But then that last chapter talks about this guy. And uh, anyway, it's a little different. So where were you? Where were you going, Rob? I was going with the whole uh, Roswell, the town and everything, because the another theory that I read was the farmer and everything that it crashed on his site, saw it and everything, didn't think anything of it everything and it was, wasn't until two days later that he was actually in town and someone was talking about how they heard an explosion out there and stuff and then he went back out and he looked at it and he found it and he says it was a saucer and that he took it and put it in his barn and everything and then someone he, they were talking in town and something and the the air force came in or something like that and they wanted to know about it and he heard the sheriff talking about it so i was like oh yeah i got this thing in the barn right here so that's when they went out and found it and that's where you see all the pictures of it in their home with pieces of the metal to where they could just crumble it and it would fold back out to its normal thing and which was like to me that was kind of like mylar mm. so if they had an aircraft that maybe had a frame that they towed behind another aircraft that they dropped off a glider and, and it was maybe covered in mylar because it was lightweight so they huh? could tow it behind it and it also that story also backs up when they talk about some of the strange writings and the hieroglyphic style writings if you've ever i mean russian mm -hmm. looks kind of higher you, yeah, I mean, and then like, with the crash it would look nothing of this world yeah possibly so then you have genetically modified kids with their eyes and their faces but see he, he was saying that he didn't there was no bodies he said there was the the farmer said there was no bodies there. It was just a bunch of debris and everything. And then what he had left over, he took it to his barn. 
And so where did the theory with the aliens come in and stuff? And then they said that they were taking it. And that's the other thing I don't get. If you ever been to Roswell, New Mexico, mm-hmm. everything is aliens now mm-hmm. and everything is area 51. Very commercialized. Exactly. How did the two get together if it was 1947, but we didn't have area 51 until 55. Exactly. So it's commercialized, but that that's that everything that is comes of some story has to have some, some root. Exactly. So it, how yeah. did area 51 and Roswell? Maybe there really was something out there. Maybe area 51 is there, but again, like Bob Lazar, when did S four begin? When did, the other research, because there's supposedly multiple research facilities out there. Well, yeah. yeah. So maybe it being out in that area, people just associated that with Area 51 as it became public. I can see your point there. What about the other conspiracy theory of the filming the moon landing there? Oh, why we look at Allison? <laughs> we were discussing that before we came in. Earlier. Were we? Oh, well, why, why don't you roll on over here, Allison, and tell us what you were discussing about the moon landing. And I was just asking the question of, do you actually think we landed on the moon? Mm-hmm. Why does the flag, why is it waving? And where is the, and I apologize mm. because I'm not, mechanically inclined of the takeoff part Mm -hmm. when they're leaving the moon. She was asking, where is the crater that the rocket created when it blew the dust out? You know, supposedly when the craft came down, you know, they were sitting in that for a couple of hours till they could get signal back. Right. um, And to be able to do their landing, Mm -hmm. they had to do their whole checklist. stuff. Supposedly it was covered in dust outside whenever they came down because it was undisturbed. And then when later on they launched and went off, but when you take pictures of the landing site and everything, there's no washout crater, which I, and I was telling her I've landed in a helicopter in the middle of the desert. And I know that it'll create a, you know, and if there's no wind or anything to recover that back up, where is that? That is what she was saying. Where is that? That deal, which now supposedly the flag is like nearly missing in white because it's been bombarded by the sun with no atmosphere. But, I could see the, so I could see the flag waving because if you put it up there and, mm-hmm. and there's no, there's very little gravity, there's no atmosphere and it's just kind of momentum and it's just kind of where they put it up there. For example. But um, it's not really waving. There's a bar on the top. Yeah, it's, there is a bar that holds it. It's just dangling. It's not waving. It's, there's a bar on top and it just dangles down. Oh, we'll see. I did not know mm. that. Yeah. So research yeah, when, is a good thing. Yes. It? When they planted it and everything, that's where everyone sees the wave because he's planting it. It's the downward force of movement. And well, like for example, last night y'all y'all saw my little alien pumpkin thing that I made. That and was I was awesome. By dangling the, way. the the cow in there. Well, I was trying to get a picture of it, and it was like three minutes later, and that little cow was still swinging. <laughs> so if you think about the. <laughs> If you think about the moon with very little, no atmosphere, very little gravity, what, how long would that thing have moved for if they were still filming or taking stuff later? So I can kind of see that. Um, The only moon theory that I would buy, I think we went to the moon. I think we did too. And we actually did a podcast on this too. And and I talked about this then. I don't know if my, my thing is, is the only conspiracy theory I could buy it off on is maybe we didn't go on that first one. Maybe we were just trying to, beat the Russians 
mm-hmm. and we went later. But again, my my whole thing on the I think we went to the moon. So you're thinking that they did film it then? Yeah, I, I, it's possible. But I think we went to and in one of the podcasts I was listening to the other day that talks about how you know when we were trying to get to space, mm-hmm. how many of them crashed and blew up? Right. How many of them? You look at the space shuttles. I mean, we flew a lot of missions, but mm. how many of them had issues, bad issues? We went to the moon all those times, and never having done it before. And there's a there's a there's a movie out on uh, Netflix no, that talks about this. How many? Uh, and I can't think of the name of it. I'll have to find it. How many? We went and landed on a foreign body, right? And then took off, right? And then went back and did it again. Went back mm-hmm. like well, I mean, like thirteen times or something like that, and oh. we never had an issue with landing on another moving body. Well, we only landed actually on the moon, I believe three times. No, it was, it's, I know it's at least six. Was it six? Yeah. Okay. Cause I know the first time that we went out there was just to survey yeah. all the landing stuff to see if we can actually come back and everything. So it took a couple missions out there and there were some casualties. Cause I think it ended with what, there was like Apollo 16 or 17 that it ended with. The first one, like you said, was mm-hmm. the circle. And then Apollo 11 came back, of course. Um, so there's there's quite a, I think there was, I think there was like 12 or 13 times we went to the moon. I don't know if somebody can look that up. But anyway, but we, and we never had really, other than Apollo 11, which never really, that wasn't attempting to land or take off mm-hmm. from the moon. Um, but anyway, I, I think we went to the moon. I just, what the only so do you think that they filmed the Armstrong landing and everything because that's what everyone's saying that it didn't happen there, it, it happened in Area I, 51. I'm not gonna say that, but what I'll say is I think it's possible because I think we really, really wanted to beat the Russians to the moon. They had beaten us to the satellite, they had beaten us in space, they had we really, really needed to beat the Russians. So I think it's possible. So, seeing how there was only one newscaster. Throughout the entire thing, Walter Conkright, you think he was in on it? Or do you think he, um, yeah, do you think he was in on it to fake the moon landings? I think it's you're saying because what, what was his name? That, that guy, um, and there's just a movie about him, uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Wasn't he the one that talked about that? Mm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I can hear him. I hope I didn't mess nothing up. No, no, I'm hearing you just fine. Um, but wasn't he the one that talked about what the faking of the moon landing? Yeah, or filming it there? Or he was talking about he helped. Uh, man, the guy that did the shining. St- uh, that gum. Stephen King. No, the the actual the guy that filmed uh, the movie. The the. Throwing a blank on that one. Yeah, me too. You know, he was the one, and later on in life, I think he even said that he was the one that filmed that, and then he got shut up, and then so there's a lot of things. What was? Hang on. You're you're gonna look this up. I gotta look this up. Oh, while you're uh, looking that one up, my mind is absolutely Kubrick. Kubrick, (laughs) Stanley Kubrick. You know, and he did the whole 2001: A Space Odyssey, and then um, when you look at some of the movies that he did, there's there all these conspiracies that talk about some of the stuff he did in those other movies. Like there's signs in the back that says it was fake. And that, you know, there's all these, these, uh, these deals. Hmm. Well, you know, I got a, something I want to bring up and maybe just my, my thought, but why do you think we stopped going to the moon? Well, that was my thought 
my whole thing in the moon episode that we did. That's the weirdest part to me. And you, you can't tell me that we stopped because of politics during the Vietnam War and funding. Because all of that, I mean, at the time of the 70s, that was a mass sci-fi it was, yeah. yeah. Time frame. And all of a sudden we just stopped going and now we're like, oh, we gotta go back, but we gotta use different technology. We can't do it with the same stuff that we had, which I get because it's expensive, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. So we're gonna do something different. But what that just uh, uh, there's something really, really fishy about that. Yeah. Often wondered that myself. So so that either there's two things on that. So why I would say why politics. Can't, yeah, why well, why can't we use the same rockets okay well they're inefficient da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. we can only use them once so we're going to develop a new rocket so that brings up two things well also the did, did we not go the first time and now we really have to develop the rocket to go do it no, or I, is there something out there that said so if we didn't develop the rocket like that then are you saying we're not on mars i i, I think we're are on we oh dallas the times and again okay i think we're on mars too i think we went to the moon but you don't know why we stopped. I don't know why we stopped. Okay. How about some of the recordings that when they were on the moon that didn't get broadcasted with Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin seeing the stuff following them you bring to the a, moon? You bring up a really good point because those audio recordings were recorded by the ham radio enthusiast. On yes, there. exactly. So you can't fake all that. So, so if they were recording that, through the ham radios at but, that distance, then. But you gotta. Here's the thing: you gotta realize what the time frame was back then. People were listening for the satellites. Have y'all all heard the all the failed Soviet experiments? Yeah, yeah. All, all that sort of stuff. So if you if we were gonna fake it, that was the, how everybody paid attention. That mm -hmm. was that was a big thing back right. then. I mean, ham radio is a dying art nowadays. But do you not think that they wouldn't have? We went to space. We 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 launched the rocket. Millions of people saw that. Right. So do you not think that we could have easily just broadcast? I, and again, I'm not saying we didn't. I just, I, the only one that rings any resonance to me is if we, we, we might not have went that, that first time and we might have just to beat the Russians, but I think we went to the moon. I think we'd be naive to say we didn't at least try to get that far, but there's a lot of evidence out there that you have to at least weigh. Exactly. And, and that's where, you, you know, I think we did go to the first time, and I think that broadcast was an original broadcast. That's me. I don't think Area 51 had anything to do with it because of everything else that's out there. Right. All the other evidence that's out there. And, and again, that's my thought. But I, and that's where I say that the only one that has any mm -hmm. ringing to me that would resonate with me and he would be maybe we didn't go. But I think we I still think we did. Personally. Okay. What about all the UFOs that they claim are around Area 51? Once again, I think it's some of the aircraft that we're building out there. But then there's other theories of saying that they're watching us, just that, like they're saying that they watched us on the moon. That, and especially with all the stuff that's come out recently. So there's two there's two ways. It's either our stuff or they're watching us. There's right. only two things it can be. I mean, I don't care. I would debate any skeptic on this nowadays. Capitalist, I don't care. We have... U.S. government, U.S. the Navy, the Army. Now, if you saw my recent post on mm -hmm. that, yeah. everybody is investing into the 
investigating this phenomena, we know there's something there. What is it ours? Is it the Russians? Is it a weird unnamed advanced civilization? Um, what is it? I don't know, well, but it is whatever that is, is that watching us? Well, according to what we're going to get into next, it's, it's not something that's uh, an advanced civilization that we don't know who they are. Because what we're going to get into next with Bob Lazar, he actually says exactly where they're from. Mm -hmm. There's actually two races of aliens out there. The greys and then the other ones out there that said, don't trust the greys. So, I mean, but that's, that's completely different to me because my theory with people saying that they see UFOs around area 51, I think it's just our secret aircraft out there. Yeah, 99.999% yeah. of the time. I would agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. We, and I don't care what political spectrum you fall into. Our government needs that little bit of, anonymity if you will we right. need to have that upper hand exactly uh, you need the element of surprise when something goes south um so i think that that's what a lot of that is but my thought is could it possibly be us working with them together that's where i was there going with go. next because they claim that president truman had a meeting place with the aliens and we have this contract with them to where they apparently the grays are a dying race. Right. And they're looking at our DNA to incorporate into their DNA. And Truman made this deal with them saying that they can go ahead and abduct a few people. Exactly. Abduct a few people. <laughs> and in exchange, we want your hyperdrive technology. Exactly. Yeah. Which I, I, I think that's far fetched. I, yeah. I really do. But that's the whole, I mean, look at, look at the technology that we're producing, yeah, right? Look at how it's increased exponentially. Yeah. The computer on the, the computers, on exactly. the yeah. first rockets were smaller than a handheld solar calculator. Yeah. Those computers were huge to get us to go there and had no more processing power than what is in yeah, a handheld solar calculator. Exactly. I mean, you can't. And yeah. now look at what we're doing with computers and stuff. So, is a good American ingenuity knowledge or like you said, are we getting it from someone else? I, you know, here's the thing. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't think that president Truman would have flown across the country mm -mm. to area 51. Mm -mm. I mean, well, they're saying that he was in California at the time. Okay. He was at a something yeah, some in California fundraiser, or fundraiser yeah. and they snuck him out to go to secretly fly to area 51 to have this meeting with them. Well, see, and that's where my whole dilemma goes in because I don't, I still, and I think I might've said this earlier. I don't think that my, I don't think that area 51 is where it's at. I mean, we developed, have you ever seen the Navy stealth ships? Mm -hmm. We developed them in the middle of San Diego Harbor Yeah, in public view. They tested them at night. Mm -hmm. I mean, same thing supposedly now with Area 51. We, we fly, get an aircraft, we fly it at night so that nobody can see what's right. going on. But there's been so many things that have been developed, right? I mean, when we talk about the U-2, the engines were made at Lockheed's plant right. 
in California mm-hmm. at night and on the weekends on the same machines that made the aircraft engines for commercial planes. Mm-hmm. And then they would take and put them on a truck before and turn all the equipment back like it was and truck it over to the deal. If it wanted to meet with an alien race that flew a bajillion miles from Alpha Centauri out here, they're not, I mean, it's, they're not going to Area 51. No, they're not. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> they're going to go where they want to go. Exactly. Especially if they're like, hey, we're either going to abduct you. Mm-hmm. That, that just makes no sense. Here's the thing. We'll give you some technology if we let if you let us abduct people. Why don't they just yeah. say hey, we're taking your people? Exactly. Don't we don't need to give you anything. We don't we're need to give you anything. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I don't buy that story. I don't either. Now the big one, 1989. This is my favorite. There it is. <laughs> Robert Lazar. Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Say what you want about any conspiracy theory. You can be skeptic. You can be what. Bob Lazar is responsible for putting Area 51. He is wholeheartedly. Yeah. But why? That's my thing. Why? He was talking about S4. He wasn't talking about Area 51. Good point. But he talks, he does mention Area 51. He does because that's where he had to land at to get bus to S4. And Area 51 is way cooler than S4. I mean, I remember growing up in the, (laughs) you know, growing up in the 80s and there was the video games that like, Chuck E. Cheese or whatever, the Area 51 game, remember where you shoot the aliens behind the wooden crates at Area yeah. 51? Mm-hmm. I mean, man, that would have been way cooler. You know what I mean? Then S4. That sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah. Okay, so... So, for those that don't know, Bob Lazar right. was a physicist that worked with MIT, Caltech. Even though there's no certificate, actually, no degrees. That's oh, incorrect. Oh, you found him? Okay. It, so... There is people came out with like yearbooks mm-hmm. and with rosters and telephone numbers and newspaper articles with him in it. Yes. yes. So with him in it. So, and that's what I was going to say with, with Bob Lazar, he came out and he talked to all this stuff and mm-hmm. everybody's like, who the heck is this for? Right. He talked about Unimpentium. talks about how they use this some because Unimpentium is a very unstable um, element. Yeah. And, and there's many ways to get to it. Right. So the way that we get to it is it's very unstable and it goes away really quick. Mm-hmm. This is what I understand. So supposedly they develop a way to make unimpentium stable, and that's what they use for their fuel, for something to do with the propulsion of this right. engine. Mm-hmm. So he come out and talks about, yeah, they use element 115, which is unimpentium. At the time, there was no 115. It exists. Well, guess what? A few years later? Not a few. Not a few. <laughs> no. The 2010s. Uh, I believe it was 2000 and. 12? Yeah, something like that. Is when it came out. So it's a real thing. It is. And he talks about, uh, uh, you know, a lot of what he says may be full of crap. Maybe. I don't think that he is purposely ever tried to deceive anything. I think what he believes is real. Whether or not it be something that was fed to him. Because you know how the CIA worked. Mm-hmm. Okay? They would say, hey, we're going to do this. And they tell you this, but they tell little Bobby something else. Well, that's like and then that. if the story got out, that's how they knew where the leak came from. Right. So I don't think that anything that he said was necessarily purposely tried to deceive us. Some of it may be complete fabrication by someone else, but a lot of what Bob Lazar has said has come true. A couple things have come true. Just like the um, 1947, they said there was that material that was lightweight, bendable, and it went back to its normal shape. We have that material now. I can't remember what it's called, but it was just developed by a couple of students at uh, Caltech. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, mm. 
So who did who did the interview with uh, Bob Lazar? George Knapp was when Bob Lazar first came out. So what happened was is he took some friends out there to watch. He was saying that they would go out on the runway, and you can hear this original mm -hmm. interview on Joe right. Rogan. It's actually it's been out forever, but Joe Rogan is the most recent one that everybody's probably familiar with. But so he goes out and he um they're they're testing these these flights of this aircraft. So he's like, nobody's going to believe this. So he went back and got some of his friends and they would go out there and they would watch this and then they would watch this. Well, supposedly who his watcher found out about it. And when they went out there one night to watch, the guys were, were there waiting for them. So they sent him home. They went and detained him for a little bit, sent him home. And he thought, man, I am in some trouble now. So he's like, I've just ruined everything. So he went back and he contacted George Knapp. He's like, I need to get my story out there. So if I come up missing, basically, this is what's going to happen. George Knapp wasn't anyone but an investigative reporter back then mm -hmm. for which Mexico, George Knapp for now is Las Vegas broke a lot of stuff. But yeah. the um, so anyway, but George Knapp convinced him to tell a story, and he did, which is probably the only reason why Bob Lazar is probably really around. So that was the only reason Bob Lazar went out there, and, and I'm sure he makes. Well, he even said that he did an appearance one time and they gave him some money and he showed proof where he donated the money. He's like, I don't do this for the money. Right. He says, I don't want, because once I take money, everybody thinks you're full of crap. So, right. So anyway, but so they tried to erase his identity. They tried to do all of mm -hmm. this sort of stuff, but through records, he talked about, I worked here and they're like, no, you didn't. There's no record of you. Well, they proved that they said, Oh, you graduated from this place. At, yeah. Well, no, there's no record. Well, they found him in his, college yearbook and then um worked at los almas mm -hmm. and there was like no we, we don't have anyone here and he's like there's a newspaper article with his picture and you're saying that he's here and he's known as the rocket man and then they he talked about these these keypads and i forget it's like oh yeah the keypads with the like, that read the the bone length so he talked about that well then they're like no it didn't well all of a sudden that came out that oh this was real technology we used a lot and this guy came out and said oh i'm the maintenance guy i had to work on that stuff all the time it was junk mm -hmm. and but all of these things that were supposed to come out i mean there's a lot that hasn't but there has been a tremendous amount that really has came out that he was right on mm -hmm. so the question is is do you believe where did he say they came from alpha centauri or or there there was two of them um alpha satari was one and then there was a binary star system yeah that's the one i'm thinking of. uh I, I believe it started with an a oh i can't remember um but that was apparently they're the good aliens and the grays the ones that everyone sees now are the bad ones there's those are the ones that are doing the experiments on us those are the ones that had the um uh, what was it? The uh, agreement with Truman. And I don't know why I just thought about this now. Another part to the story with Truman is when they went to Area 51, they were in this uh, static free room and stuff. And I uh, apparently one of the security forces members had his gun on him and he wasn't supposed to. And he went into the room where they were meeting and everything and one of the aliens saw this and started a fight with him, trying to push him out of there because apparently the ammunition around these aliens would explode. And so they were trying to push him out of the room. And then a fight ensued with security forces, and the aliens. And I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> and all security forces members died. Hmm. 
because they had their heads chopped off. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. make this stuff up. <laughs> it's just I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> so, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on Bob Lazar? Hmm. Um. Back then, I, I mean, I really. Do you remember when it came out? I remember something. I, I do. I was in high school. Yeah, I was too. So I remember some things about it. Jeff was a grandpa by then. Oh no no no! no. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. I got it. That's all right. I was in Germany, 1989. Did they have anything back then? Do you remember anything? I honestly don't yeah. remember yeah. anything about it. I remember small things. I remember that, newscast. I don't remember content really. I just right, remember exactly. the newscast because they were always blacking them out. Mm -hmm. Exactly, it would always be this um, just dark figured doing the voice and everything to where you couldn't tell who they were. And then there was two other people as well um, that were talking about Area Fifty One. Um, the one I remember was the one that the Falcon. They had a Falcon and codenamed Falcon. And someone else in the, the Falcon theory is was an OSI agent that was giving false information to discredit Lazar. Lazar, and the one I remember was when Nap came out. They were on a podium, like in the desert or something, and he was, and he was, uh, he was telling his story about you know, um, and you can find that on YouTube actually. Um, that original interview. I, I guess the question I've got for you guys is, you know, Bob Lazar came out with the story and you said something about that, you know, he wasn't doing it, you know, for money or anything like that. He just wanted to get his story out. How come there hasn't been more stories? Do you think more folks that worked out there? But there has. There has. That's the thing. Bob Lazar got credit, I think, for mainly because of George Knapp. Right. Um, he had the backing of it. Everybody else that comes out, they don't have that backing and people think they're quacks. Mm -hmm. But th there has been. There's there's lots of stories. You talk about Dolce Base, which goes into that whole thing with mm -hmm. the Truman deal. That's where supposedly this base is that where Truman set up and uh, where they could go and they have the underground levels where they do all the genetic experiments and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, and people talk about that. And and that's the whole thing about people. And, and I'll kind of sidetrack. People talk about why hasn't there been photo or video evident of Bigfoot there has what are you believing what are you buying yeah. there's been host stuff just like with Bob Lazar right. there's a lot of that stuff that's misinformation on purpose there's a lot of that stuff that's misinformation by zealots that want to just discredit the whole thing um, but there there has been other information okay my thing with Bob Lazar is back in 89 90 he draws and talks about the propulsion system and the craft and the different ones that they have. And even today, you can watch the Netflix episode or the, the documentary that he he's drawing the same thing, talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's for the most part, his story hadn't changed. People were really giving him heck on Rogan because he's got the migraine mm -hmm. and because he's kind of, Oh, I'm having to think I'm having to think, but think about everything this guy's been through. I mean, if you were, if this were, if he were, if he's real and he's going through this and he's been pressured, he's been threatened, his family's been threatened, mm -hmm. he still gets death threat threats to this day, supposedly, all these sorts of things. I mean, can you blame the guy for being just stressed out for going on? I mean, supposedly Joe Rogan had to pretty much had to get with Nap, had to get with right, all these yeah, people that, to get him on there. I mean, it was a big deal for Rogan to have him on. Well, that's like what Nap says. You need to. You have to find Bob Lazar in the right mood, the right 
moment to be able to talk about it because it has taken a toll on his life. I mean, even the, I'm going to go back to the Netflix documentary that he just did. I, did, I thought it was a bunch of malarkey and everything because they were talking about the FBI raid and stuff. That was real. That was real. <laughs> they really read it, which he's, you know, and I'll say he may be questionable. Oops. He may be questionable in some of his private business ventures. Mm-hmm. And that's what that all stemmed down right. to, supposedly. Right. Was there really more in that? I well, mean, they were just looking. There was two things. One was he apparently there's been two FBI raids there. One was for they were looking for receipts of some fireworks mm-hmm. powder and everything that they found. That was that was a long time ago because they sold the ingredients to make fireworks cross state lines. So they were getting in trouble for this. They were looking for the evidence for that one. And then the next one was during the documentary, they mentioned the element again. And there's like, you feel like, did you get it out? And he's like, I'm not going to talk about that and everything. But then he calls them and they're off camera. And you don't know if he says, yes, he has it or he doesn't have it. But the next day, there's the FBI raiding his business again, looking for old receipts and stuff again. Uh, but and you, do you know how they found that this is and, and I listened to this on a podcast and where I'm coming from mm-hmm. this wasn't my isn't my thought process. But I will say that it's probably really good. So for your request, everybody knows what a for your request you can you can request. <coughs> Through federal law, you can request them to release documents pertaining to, to uh, Freedom of Information Act. Well, unless it has to do with missing essential security and that sort of stuff, they have to release that stuff to you, which we all know how that works. They'll redact a lot of stuff because it has to do with national security or what have you. Right. Well, so the guy that found the FBI, and he's the one that does the, the, the um, man, what is that guy's name? He's the one that does the TV show with him. But um, and I think it might have been the Black Vault guy. They requested the share the local sheriff's department at where he where this happened at. Mm-hmm. They did a FOIA request to them, and they re- the FBI denied it all, and they redacted. Oh, this didn't happen. Which if it was a joint deal, there's no telling who was tracking it. But the local sheriff's department is who released the information that proved that the FBI raided because it was when the FBI goes into a local area, they have to. They has there has to be some mm-hmm. intermingling. They have to be heads up. You can't right. just go into a jurisdiction and do that. So anyway, that's who re- proved was this Freedom of Information Act of the local sheriff's department. So you find Bob Lazar credible then? I, I don't think that he, what he's anything that he has said, in my opinion, has necessarily been purposeful misinformation. Maybe it was information that was again given to him or maybe it was misremembering or maybe something like that but i do believe that he had i I think his intentions were good okay in the aspect of ufo because he is the one that came up with that story with security forces and the aliens fighting really really he did it in a 1990 interview is the second or third interview that he gave and he's the one that told the story well and here's what I'll say on that. That one is so incredulous, right? Right. I agree with you. Right. But he's re- he wasn't there when this happened. 
He was told that information. Correct. So is that the story that the CIA or the FBI or whoever? Uh, gave him? Okay. Now, okay. Because once it comes now. out, they know who the mole was. Okay. I, I, I see your point on that one. And we know that's a real deal. That's a real tactic. Right. Yes. They give them information because now they know where the leak is. Exactly. They want to see who's giving it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are you finding over there, Jeff? Oh, nothing. I was just looking at uh, some information on Bob Lazar. That's all. Anything interesting? No, not that we've already talked about. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, anything? No, I think I'm good. Yeah, sometimes I think Bob Lazar is credible, and there's other times I was like, eh. But then you throw that, okay, was it? information that was fed to him. Right. That's why I say, I don't think that he purposely has tried to necessarily, I don't think his original story or whatever's happened out of that was a purposeful misinformation hoax or whatever. I believe what he was telling was what he really believed. Cause he's also the one that talked about the two different races mm -hmm. and everything. And he knows exactly where we got these, this aircraft from, or this UFO from mm -hmm. was that binary star system. And he's like, there was what, Four, four different aircraft. There's more than that. Uh, there, there's a. There was I believe a, it was nine. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Nine aircraft out there, and he worked on what he called the sports model, and that one did not look like a sports model that he drew. So I'm curious what the other ones looked like. Right. How, the, how, um, how big were they? And it's kind of interesting. I encourage you if you haven't listened to his uh, his story on Joe Rogan to go check that out because it it was a very good interview. He talks about how everything was kind of out of place. And the one thing that he could recognize was that um, they had like a grate and you could stand on it, but if you pushed it sideways, mm -hmm. it would, uh, it would move. Right. Says it was like an access panel. But, mm -hmm. So anyway, that, that was pretty neat. I mean, because some of these things, he says, well, that's how he's associating it with what he could recognize. He said, other than that, there's like no visible, there's like no monitors. There's no nothing. There was like a window that really wasn't a window. And right. So anyway, there was some, uh, it's pretty interesting. And then also the, the Netflix documentary, mm -hmm. um, that's pretty good. What was that guy's name that did that Netflix documentary? Man, oh, I can't remember his name either. All right. Now with all the technology that we had before the eighties and we're talking about the seventies and I mentioned the Klingon bird of prey and stuff like that. One of the two most popular shows came out of the 70s around the time that all our technology was that. And they were both around space, mm -hmm. Star Trek and Star Wars. And the technology that they were talking about is some of the stuff that we have now as well. Mm -hmm. So was there an insight to that or what? I, I, I see where you're going with that. I mean, you think about Star Trek and they had the, the communicators that like a flip cell phone. Right. And they had, um, you know, the little wands that you wave and read. And that's now stuff that's really, really real. And, you know, all the theories of Star Trek was based on real theories of physics. Exactly. And, um, did Roddenberry have a inside? And, and there's some, there is some conspiracy. And I don't know it off the top of my head. I'm not going to sit here and, right. and feed on it. But there are some conspiracies out there about some of that involvement. Interesting. Yeah. So what are your, well, my whole thing about area 51, I only think it's just a base. 
that we test all our aircraft and stuff. And it's part of Edwards Air Force Base. I I think that Area 51 was a place that we developed that stuff. Yes. Do I think it has anything to do with UFOs and aliens and maybe we're doing a, secret? Maybe in a trickle down. Okay. You know, the technologies information has gotten somewhere and go nowadays. I don't think it is because I mean, everybody knows that it's there now. I mean, right. I mean, you're going to tell me that spy satellites don't know what's there. And, and you know, you can go, of course you can't really see it, but you've got that, what Tikaboo peak or whatever, which mm-hmm. is that mountain range you can climb upon and right. catch a very small glimpse of the deal. But I also found a website and I can't remember where it is and I should have had it up in here. But there's a website that actually goes a little bit in detail about everything that's on Area 51, as far as the chow halls mm-hmm. and the dormitories and the buildings and where everything is located. And not once is there any mention of this UFO hangar. Yeah. Now it's just different hangars, tells you what they are. And... I would be more apt to believe that there is a real underground place at Wright Pat. I would be because and cars well. Hide in plain sight. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah. What do you think about S4? Do you think it's really there? I think it was really there. Do I think it's still active? Not now. Okay. Why, why would you? So where would we move the nine aircraft that we had? Where do I think we'd move them to? Uh, what's that range in Utah, the old Army one that did all the chemical testing? Um, Dugway? Yes. Yes, Dugway. Dugway Proving Dugway, Grounds. Dugway Proving Grounds, uh-huh. maybe. Um, why not... Antarctica, there's a conspiracy. Mm. Um, what about the naval base that's off of California or the one that's off oh. of the Bermuda Triangle that's underwater? More conspiracy theories. Because they talk about, you know, Bob Lazar talks about these things basically manipulate time and space to travel. Travel, right. They're not in our time, time and space. space. So they can go underwater. They can go in the air. They can go in space. They can do all of these things. So why, why not build a under underwater where nobody can get to. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the thing, that stuff that's coming up off the coast of Florida between Florida and Bermuda, you know, that big Naval supposedly black ops base. That's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, Antarctica. I mean, we need to do a show on that. Sometime. Yeah. So you're, you're saying that area 51 testing spot, if it had UFOs, but they're gone now. Yeah. So, yeah, they were gone the minute Bob Lazar opened his mouth. Okay. So the only thing we're doing there now is just strictly testing new aircraft. Or, yeah, altitude test, high-speed test, mm-hmm. guns, you know, armament, stuff that if it did get out, because that place is under so much scrutiny. Right. Why would you leave your most secret stuff in a place that's being watched like a hawk? You're not. You're going to put it in plain sight where mm-hmm. nobody knows it's at. Like I said, just like the thing in San Diego or the one in Los Angeles or... or um you know, Dallas, you know what I mean? Talk about Fort Worth. Right. Well, I mean, you put it there and you take off at night and you have this cloaking technology that mm-hmm. was developed there. And no, why, why would it be there? I think, I don't think, I think area 51 now is, is the, is the, uh, the misleading perception. Oh, I, the, I, the misinformation. I totally agree. I totally agree. See, but I think, I dis I disagree with you guys because I believe that there is something going on out there still. I I agree with you that it is I'll development still, of our aircraft. 
new aircraft. I, I believe that. But I also believe they have something they're not telling us that we're working with with some, whether it be another country or Aliens. A, alien or some other universe. I do believe there is something going on out there. You think they would leave it at Area 51? Sure. I sure do. Do I, do I believe, though, that's the only place? Probably not. No. And, and maybe you're right that in the fact that I'm sitting here telling y'all, why would you leave it there? And then why not? Right. I mean, it's so secured yeah. that, you know, nobody really has ever gotten in there. Right. Um, so why not go ahead and continue it? Well, I, I mean, I, you, I can see what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, you figure Las Vegas in that area, it's all out in the middle of nowhere. Right. You know, so they have a, an area that they can go and do the research and, and fly the aircraft at night and do what they need to do. Um, so I could believe that that is still going on there. Okay. And, and part of the reason I say Dugway, you look at all the stuff that happens at Skinwalker Ranch. Right. Well, how far are they apart? True. True. Okay. I and and you know it's interesting you bring up Skinwalker Ranch. We talked <laughs> yeah, of, we yeah, talked we about George Knapp. Um, he was actually the one that broke the whole Skinwalker Ranch as well. With the story. UFOs, yeah. And, yeah. I think George Knapp is. I mean, in, in anybody that really follows on this, he's he's one of the most instrument instrumental players. My, I'm losing my deal. He's one of the most instrumental players in in the whole arena. Right. So, Allison, you've been sitting over there. He also quiet. brought the airport stuff in Colorado. Pretty Denver. quiet the whole time. What is your take on the whole Area 51 and UFO and all that? Hmm, let's see. What do I think? I would have to say that we do have a place. I think we have many places that we stuff out but I think that maybe area 51 is something to keep the scapegoat you active on area 51 <laughs> and I'm doing what well, I need to do Mike yeah <laughs> just, just looking at you but what I'm what I'm trying to do is over here at another area that you have no clue about yeah, and, and that's why I think it's in plain sight. We're doing it somewhere that you would least expect, and Area 51 is the scapegoat. So talk about what the right hand is doing while you're not looking at the left. Right. right. Okay. Like you said, you know, Carswell. Right. Well, why not? Why you got, not? You got all the major airplane developers down there. Exactly. You got all of that sort of stuff going yep. on. But, and you're right. I mean, who would expect it? It's it's, it's a Bell helicopter place, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What? Who would expect it? Well, you know, my thought has always been, you, you, you think about, you know, Earth and other planets and all of that. We would be stupid to believe that we are the only being in this area. And this, with the universe that we have, we would be stupid to think we are the only beings. I'm going to get really weird on you. What if they moved it to the backside of the moon? Well, maybe, why, why haven't we gone back? We haven't, but didn't India just send? China did. No, it was India. Well, India, theirs blew up, though. Oh, did it blow yeah, up on and, the way there? China sent the one down that grew the potato, I think is what it was. On the backside of the moon. Mm -hmm. Or cotton or something. Hmm. 
Yeah. But when did China go? I couldn't tell you. I'm pretty sure, and I may be wrong on my facts here. I'm pretty sure it was 2017. When did all the stuff start getting out from the fast mover and the Tic Tac and the, oh, wait, well, that was 2017? Yeah, when the Tic Tac came out? Yeah. 2017. So why, why, why did we do a soft disclosure? Well, because there were other governments going right. to the moon. Yeah. All of a sudden. Oh, so you're back to the moon theory again. But did we move 51 there? That's what, that's where I eventually, cause I know this is in the 51 episode, but so you're saying we probably moved all the aircraft from S4. If we had, I'm not, I'm just hypothesizing. No, no, no. That's what this show is about. So in 88, Bob Lazar came out, right? right? We quit going to the moon. What? 72. Supposedly. Supposedly. So he's there. We've been working with aliens to develop technologies. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Bob Lazar comes out, blows the pan. Mm-hmm. Where do you go? Yeah. Okay. And why do we not go back? Why did none of the space shuttles ever try to go? Why do none of the well, other... they didn't have the fuel to go back then. Well, they didn't you, have the... Once you get going... Well, yeah, once you get going and everything, but then the return turn. Yeah, but they got to... the payload. Why didn't we send the shuttle up to orbit the moon? They Couldn't got those you. huge payload base. Couldn't tell you. You know what I'm saying? Well, we never studied the moon. Oh, we studied the moon. We just haven't. Right. We, why, why did we not what, continue? What better environment than to spend a space shuttle up that can open those bay doors and focus every type of instrument down at the moon? Mm-hmm. And it never. Maybe I'm not an astrophysicist, but I'm just saying what we just quit going. Maybe too much drag on the aircraft. There's there's no drag. Yes, there would. Well, okay, yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, you're right. We sent satellites up before the end yeah, to orbit yeah. the moon to study it, and then we went and walked on it. Then we said, "Oh, we're not going back." Once again, I think politics. I just can't, for the life of me, in an age where science fiction, where capitalism, where all of these things were really growing, the seventies and eighties, we just. We just quit. Well, we started uh, broadening. We started going further out well, and, with the and, satellites. And I, I can see until that. that until the funding was stopped on that one. Why politics? I just I have a hard time with that. I think politics is the easy answer out. It is the easy answer out because no one wants to spend it on something that we're. It's not benefiting us. That's but, the problem. But is it though? I mean, now they've but, said, "Hey, guess what? In like fifteen years, there is going to be." The closest near-Earth miss. Well, yeah, but once again, it's not benefiting us here on Earth, which is why we're not investing the money out there. I mean, and I see that, but they already talk about how eight, like H three or whatever. There's enough of that on the moon to develop the fuel to go further. Why? There's just then why aren't we mining it? Exactly. Why did we quit? It's my biggest. That's my biggest problem. The theory of everything of why. Because we didn't go in the first place. I still think we went. Yeah, I believe I believe we <laughs> I believe we went. Okay, hey, real quick, yeah. uh one of the things I wanted to bring up, we had talked earlier about the airlines that flew out. Uh right. The name of that aircraft is actually Janet. Yeah, we Janet, yeah, I don't know why I said Juliet. Juliet. It's yeah. Janet. Yeah, it's Janet. I don't know why I said Juliet. That's just me being an idiot, I guess. No, it's no, all you're all right. <laughs> It's our first time in a while. We're still getting. That's right. We're, we're, it turned we're, out good though. I, I, I it think did turn good. out good. Turned out really well, good. During this show, uh, we 
we uh, looked at the history of Area 51. We talked about some of the secrecy of Area 51, and we finished with a good uh, few minutes on uh, different conspiracy theories. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was it was it was really good. I, I liked it. I still do not think that we have the aliens and everything met as an Area 51. I don't think Area 51 is a place for UFOs and aliens. I think it's strictly for the testing is what all the history. That's that's just me. I think the UFOs and the, yes, there are UFOs out there. Yes, there are. There. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer on that one because I've seen one. Mike, I know you said you think you've seen one, but I know I've seen one. So whole nother show again. But I do not think Area 51 is the hoopla that everyone is making Area 51 out to be. And I agree wholeheartedly. And, and I think that it's a combination of both. I think they have some kind of technology that they've gotten from somewhere that they are, uh, are working with on our aircraft. Okay. Allison? I agree 100%. I have, <laughs> I have learned so much from doing this today. Well, you're not really an alien person, so yeah. This yeah, is no, I'm not. A, I'm not. A big... Uh, I have never seen a UFO. Not the worthy I authority. don't know if I believe in them, but I'm waiting. Well, it's like you're... The whole Bigfoot theory. Oh yeah. You you don't know until you had your own experience. Right. Mm -hmm. You've got to have your own experience, and then you're an, a non-believer, skeptic. Right. Same thing with the paranormal world. Mm -hmm. Just like the ghost. That's exactly what got the us ghost. All in here. That's something exactly what happened. got it. Something happened to us to where we had our own personal experience, and that's basically what the beliefs come down to: your own personal experience, and then it's the wanting that knowledge to find out, trying to find out the truth. What what is out there? I think it opens doors, which is why we're all open to more things, which is why you see more things. Right. Well, one thing real quick before we leave. I know that the, the conspiracy theory believes that there's a tie-in with Bigfoot and UFOs together. And that's another show we can get. Yeah. I don't buy that. But well, we'll go there. <laughs> it's out there. It's out there. We'll go there. How do you yeah. know? How do you know? Well, like I said, it's a different show. Yeah. Different show. Yeah. They're trying to shut me up. Yeah. Y'all should see their hand versions. <laughs> Well, hey, we would like to uh, thank all of our listeners that are out there Definitely. supporting us. We had a total of 51 out there listening to us on and off today, which is really nice. great thank for you. our first one. Awesome. Yes, thank you. And there's a, there's a couple that's still left listening to us out there. I think we yep. got like four online right now. Okay. Don't and forget that you can always find us at our website at www.militaryparanormal.com. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. You can email us at podcast at militaryparanormal.com and if you have a suggestion for something you would like us to talk about or an idea go ahead and shoot us an email or hit us up on one of those uh, ways that you can contact us also um, I also like to give a shout out to other paranormal groups out there especially paranormal societies They, uh, when someone needs something they have a database out there of everyone in the United States that you can go to for help if you got any type of paranormal claims, ghosts, and everything. I know it's way off topic from today, but I just want to give a shout out to them. And you can find them at uh, www.paranormalsocieties.com. They have a Twitter and an Instagram as well. Again, don't forget, we said it earlier, if you have a story you would like to share or you would like to us to, to maybe tell, please uh, send us some information. We'll look it over and see what we can't do there. But um, we, 
again, we would appreciate any any comments or concerns that you have. And and I'd be interested to hear some of your stories and your thoughts on Area 51. Oh, I, maybe I, somebody that might have worked there or or had some affiliation with that. I agree. I know we're wrapping. You know, my dad drove a truck, and he would always tell me about driving by throughout in Arizona. Nevada mm-hmm. and seeing things off out in the distance and weird stuff. So if you if you were out there, you you've worked, you've done anything, um, you've been in that area, please let us know uh, if you have your story you'd like to tell in Area Fifty One. I yeah. know we've got about one minute left. I just wanted to. Uh, what what do you think we're going to uh, do our next show on? Well, I think I like Mike's idea of us doing a couple little little mini ones with each one of us telling our stories of and some of the Halloween. Yeah. yeah, leading up to Halloween, some of the most scariest things we've had. That's happened to us. Exactly. Okay. All right. That sounds and good. And then maybe we can get together and do a Halloween show. We really want to try to get some more recurring content out there for you guys. So then again, send us all your stories. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, well, this is Jeff. I'd like to say thanks again and uh, have a good day. All right. Everyone have a good night. Good day. Whatever it is out there that you're listening to. Bye, y'all. Good night. Thank you for listening to the MPI Paranormal Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Military Paranormal Investigations. Hope you all enjoyed the show. Don't forget to connect with us on Podbean, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, the truth is to be found.